Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Nadim is a madman, help us, save us. Nadim is a madman, help us, save us. Cute, cute, yeah. cute, cute. Cute, cute. I was thinking, what are you going to do? And then he figured it out. <laughs> there you go. I don't know if it's my favorite. I wanted to do something, like I was thinking of doing, putting like a black bar above my eyes. Yeah, that, that would be good, yeah. But again, this is not a visual medium. It is not so a visual medium. It wouldn't be appropriate. But please know my creativity was there. Good. I the intent was there. Execute it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I get <laughs> that. Mita, how's how's it going? I'm well. You're well. Full stop. Just well. Just peachy. Well. Peachy keen? Just peachy. Just peachy. There's no keen. No keenness involved. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I don't I don't like peachy keen. No. I like peachy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I see on our agenda you've been watching something, and since I monopolized last week's small talk with mm-hmm. the wedding of Alia Bhatt and Ranbir Kapoor, please take the floor. Yesterday evening, mm-hmm. well, first of all, I want to say I watched the movie that we uh, watched for this episode. Are we saying what it is? It's Spy Kids. We yeah, of course. Kids. They know yeah. what it is. <laughs> I watched Spy Kids twice. Oh, God, week. Mita. <laughs> One day I had it on in the background while I was at work, uh, and then I sat down and watched it appropriately. But I had a lot of like fun kids entertainment um, at my viewing pleasure, so mm-hmm. I felt like I could. I felt I actually like physically felt like I could take something heavy right now because I watched so much fun stuff. Oh, good. And so good. I watched you for next week. Oh, okay. It, oh. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, I watched Evan Rachel Evan Rachel Wood's HBO documentary, Phoenix mm-hmm. Rising. Okay. Have you heard about this? I have. Yes. It's so about her Phoenix. relationship with Marilyn Manson. Yes. So she suffered a domestic violence relationship with Marilyn Manson. And the documentary goes over a few months of her contemplating whether or not she should actually name Marilyn Manson as her abuser. Because when she initially came out saying that she had been in a domestic violence relationship, she had never said that it was Marilyn Manson. People just made the assumption oh, speculated. based off of the... Okay. Yes, people speculated based off the timeline she had given. But she also knew there were very serious repercussions of actually naming him. Mainly that he has a very large fan base that are very supportive of him and maybe wouldn't necessarily like believe anything that she's saying. Mm-hmm. And so the documentary kind of follows her as she decides whether or not she wants to like publicly out him. Okay. Um, but also as she's working with a group of women about changing legislation in California based off of the um, statute of limitations that is involved with domestic violence abusers. Okay. Like at one point it was you had to uh, accuse them of the abuse within one to three years of the abuse actually happening. Oh, okay. And so they wanted to extend it to 10 years and then eventually they basically got it to five years but mm-hmm. she explores that side of it a little bit she goes into very specific details of the abuse that she suffered and she and you also get interviews with her family and friends that were around her at that time and who like 
were trying to help her get out yeah. of the situation. She talks about how she was groomed into the situation, like gives a very clear picture of what happened, shows like images that explain what happened to her as well mm -hmm. and text messages and whatnot. And um, yeah, it just goes over her decision to actually publicly name him, which she has done since then. Yeah. But it's very, it's a very hard watch if you're not, if, you know, if those things are triggering for you, I wouldn't recommend watching it. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's very important for people to talk about because it was real. The thing I liked the most about it was the genuine, like, happiness that came to her once people started saying, like, oh, yeah, I saw him do this stuff. Like, this is yeah. legitimate because there were a lot of people who were like, oh, she's just doing this for attention. It's not true. Like, he didn't do anything to Rose McGowan. Like, I doubt he did anything to her. Mm -hmm. And there, finally, at one point in the documentary, there is somebody who, like, used to be on tour with him. Mm -hmm. And he was like, everything she is saying is true. I witnessed it. I saw this. I saw that. Like, he, mm -hmm. like, just went out and said it. And so that was very, her reaction to it was very powerful. And it's very interesting documentary. And I recommend it. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that that's also coming around at the time of the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp case. Yeah, which I have been... Which I'm is, not vigorous. Yeah. I've been following it on TikTok. <laughs> which is, in many ways, the exact opposite. Yes. Although, so, okay. You asked me a very interesting question I today. I did. Let me, uh, let me give you a little context as to why I actually mentioned that. So yes. I messaged Meet That today to be like, you know, we think... Johnny Depp is innocent. That's our stance. Meet and I have mm -hmm. discussed this before. And he'll probably be acquitted. But do you think the fact that he is a good-looking, charming man and a giant movie star going to play into that? Yeah, because I and I said to you, oh, what did you want to say? So the reason I actually said it was there is a YouTube video that mm -hmm. was a compilation of Johnny Depp testifying and him making just jokes, nothing like inappropriate. He's in a court case and maybe yeah. making like comments about what the prosecution is asking him or like, you know how court can be incredibly repetitive a lot and mm -hmm. making just things and you can hear the jury and the audience laughing and you can sense that people are on his side. Yeah. What I said to you mm -hmm. was I think... I think it does play a huge part in it because if he wasn't in it, like I don't believe there was like actual abuse at physical abuse. I think maybe there, I think there probably was some emotional abuse on both ends. Um, but I don't know if there was physical abuse. And I think if he had been guilty of it, he would be acquitted because of how charming he is. And he's Johnny Depp. Like I think people yeah. would be taken away with it, which is really unfortunate. I, this one's really interesting because even hearing some of the text messages, some of the texts like he would send her were very like, I, that's why I think there might be emotional abuse going on. Because like what he's saying, like, I wouldn't stand for that the way he talks to her sometimes. But I don't know if he physically harmed her. Yeah, but also physical abuse is very like it. There's no there's no who started it. Right. Mm -hmm. When someone is physically abusive to you, that's the start of that abuse. Mm -hmm. But let's assume in this case, you're in a relationship, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, and the escalation of their relationship is slowly rising. Mm -hmm. And if she's instigating him, is he just responding? Yeah, which is fair. But I also think like 
is your your you're just as accountable with how you respond. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I don't. I'm not yeah. denying that, but I think there's no con. The context is kind of is really missing in it's that vague. case. Yeah, it's, yeah, right. Like we don't yeah. know. There's one text message in particular where he like she went to go take a, a coffee meeting with somebody and he calls her a whore and was like, "What is the what's a substance of this meeting like why are you meeting people mm-hmm. and like he's very inquisitive about her yeah going on a coffee meeting and you're right i don't know the whole is this before content. or after she shit in his bed <laughs> you know what i mean i just saw like... the one tiktok clip so i don't i'm not not 100 percent sure on that one but but you see what i'm a, saying right yeah. like it's, it's baffling to me that they're allowing this on tv though like who signed off on that None None of their representation was like, no, we're not doing this. I think like Johnny this- Depp's representation probably was like, we're doing this. I don't know. Because I, that's the whole point of this case, right? It's yeah. defamation. She ruined his reputation and now they're trying to get it back. And so I'm sure when Johnny Depp is going on the stand, he's been groomed to be like, you got to be charming. You got to be funny. You have to look nice. Like we need, and the whole point is to gain public appeal, like, public opinion back mm-hmm. that she has single-handedly taken away that's fair i guess i don't know if i was johnny depp which i'm not no but if i was <laughs> i would i'd want this to be quiet i wouldn't want to make this a big thing i've made billions of dollars probably in my lifetime i don't need to worry about this as much as like i just uh, feel like i don't think that's i think in know. a me too time this could ruin his career. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not Johnny Depp, and I've never. I'm not gonna ever be in a situation <laughs> like this. I. But think, I also think like he's, you know, like. I think there's. I, I get t- he's missing out on a lot of money. I think there's. But he also t- has made a lot. <laughs> he has, but yeah. I don't think that's fair because that's also his job, right? Like, mm-hmm. just because he has made money in the past doesn't mean he shouldn't be able to make money in the future. Here's the thing. If Okay, if I was in Johnny Depp, if I was in, if I am Johnny Depp, yes. I would sue her and I would make it very clear that any of the monetary funds that I receive in this, I am donating to charities for domestic abuse survivors or something along those lines. But like why? I, because it looks greedy. But it looks why? Greedy. Because it looks greedy. Like that's your... I get his character is being defamed, but, like, do you need monetary substance for that? Like, why do you need money for it? What if she has, what if because of her claims, he's lost film roles? And he did actively, he he was kissed, he was kicked out of, um, what's it called? Um, The Harry Potter Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts. He was kicked out of that. So how can you not put a monetary value on that? I just don't know. Like, I don't know. I and would I, hope look, that somebody is so, he's been so successful in his career that it wouldn't matter. Like, the money doesn't matter. I just haven't heard him say that. The money doesn't matter to me. It is my reputation that matters more. You don't, again, I think, I look, I do understand what you're saying. I'm not arguing mm-hmm. it. I think I'm just, I, I think my thing is that we assume that because actors and people who have had financial gain in the past are not entitled to it in the future because you've made all this money why do you need more Mm -hmm. but that's johnny depp makes money because he turned uh pirates of the caribbean into a franchise almost Mm single-handedly 
he he turned what was supposed to be a nothing film into a billion dollar franchise and got an Oscar nomination for it. That's Johnny Depp. That's what he's responsible for in the film world. So if because of what she's saying, that has taken away his ability to to make money, the money that he is typically known for, why shouldn't he be seeking financial attribution? And I would hope that on the side he is donating to domestic abuse charities because he's mm-hmm. also in a position to do that. Mm-hmm. I just, I guess... And I guess this is fair because it's in court right now, so they're not going to be speaking out about it. I just wish I could, I knew more of his point of view about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's really hurting him here? Because all I've heard, but again, all I've seen is TikToks. All I've seen (laughs) is that I missed out on Fantastic Beasts. I missed out on the rest of this um, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I'm missing out on this and this and this. But Mita, that's a lot. But I'm not hearing about like I, w- I want him to testify to I well I guess maybe we'll get there but I want him to testify to like how it affects him as a person not they just... probably aren't sharing that oh I think they actually have I think there's some videos mm-hmm. of him like talking about how it affected him and he got teary-eyed or something I don't know but like okay. I mean I'm sure I'll that need to watch more yes <laughs> that is not on TikTok okay fair. <laughs> <laughs> but Vita, we aren't here to talk about Johnny and Amber. Ew, okay. We're here to talk about <laughs> Junie and Carmen. Carmen. There Carmen we go. Carmen and Elizabeth. <laughs> because this week, for bonus episode number two, what did we watch, Mita? We watched Spy Kids. Mita's so excited for today's episode. I'm so excited. I'm Jesse Spano. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me do a quick IMDb description for Spy Kids. Using high-tech gadgets, two kids have to save their reactivated OSS top spy parents when they're taken by an evil high-tech enemy. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> That's Spy Kids, man. All right, um, Mita. This is not a great description. It's not. It's not no. a great description. It's a little overly wordy. Can I give a better one? Yes. Okay. Spy Kids is about... To a, a brother and a sister, Carmen and Junie, who discover that their parents were once spies and their parents have been taken by an evil high-tech enemy. <laughs> and they go on a mission to save their parents and to save the world from an army of 500 robot children called Spy Kids. Who You had who me are... up until the 500 robot children. <laughs> it just started to get too much detail. Oh, sorry. Well, there is 500 robot children. I think people should should know about that. It's really important. All right, um, that. But yes, Spy Kids. Talk to me about why <laughs> this is bonus episode number two. Yeah. And why it wasn't in the regular running season. Okay. So in season two, I had this on my like rough draft list of movies that I wanted you to watch. Mm-hmm. And I at one point, I thought that you had seen this like I thought you said like oh I've seen Spy Kids and so I was like oh well then I can't really include it for season two but then while we were recording our uh, second annual Demita Awards which is available on your podcast app if you would like to take a Mm -hmm. listen um, I mentioned that Spy Kids was on my original list and then you said I've never seen Spy Kids and it just instantly came to me oh 
we need to watch Spy Kids then. Because Spy Kids for me was probably, now that I think back on it, was more influential than Heavyweights was. Wow. Yes. I know that's deep. It's really deep. That's a deep one. Yeah. I have such fond memories of like watching Spy Kids in the theater and also um, like having, I think I have... It's either a DVD or a VHS, but I have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be in my basement right now. I'm just watching it over and over. Mm-hmm. And then also having older family friends who wanted to watch it with me. Like one in particular, he's kind of like a brother figure in my life. Yeah. And when Spy Kids 2 came out, he was like, hey, let's go to the movie theater and watch Spy <laughs> Kids 2. We never got to go. Like it oh, never okay. worked out. I still have not seen Spy Kids 2, mm-hmm. but... It was something like he must have been because if I it was 2001, I was like 10. So by two, I was maybe like 12 or something. He must have been like 22 years old. And I was like, <laughs> I'll go take you to go see Spy Kids because he enjoyed Spy Kids. So I felt like it was one of those movies that was like universal for all ages. Yeah. And I have watched it as an adult and thought to myself, this still holds up as a family film. Mm-hmm. And so Nadim. Mm-hmm. You are not an island. You have a family. <laughs> you have a wife and two kids. Yes. And I felt like, oh, this is maybe something he should watch. And so I picked it for bonus. Okay. <laughs> yep. And now I'm I'm so scared. <laughs> like I'm actually frightened. Like I don't want you to like I don't uh, I don't think you hate it, but I don't think you love it. Okay. And now go. <laughs> So first of all, I think what happened when you initially asked me, I've seen one of the runoffs. I've either seen the sequel or I've seen something. Did you see the Priyanka Chopra thing? With no, them? I haven't seen the Priyanka oh. Chopra one, but I have a young a brother who's 13 years younger and I used to take him to the movies. And I remember seeing one of the Spy Kids, but... Or maybe it was Shark Boy Shark versus Boy and Lava, Lava Girl. Girl. Maybe that's yeah. what it was and that's what I confused it for. And so like, anyways, I've seen one of them, but I hadn't seen this. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. I hadn't seen the original, I guess. Spy Kids. I think your assessment was correct. Okay. And here's why. Okay. I do think when I was watching it, the first thing that ran through my head was, this is a really good family film. Mm-hmm. It's a really good family film because it it kind of caters to both parties, like adults and children. Exactly, and it's a real yeah. family films are actually really hard to make because the disparity in what you're trying to cover is like massive. Yeah. And not everyone can write a Pixar movie, generally no. speaking. That and I think Pixar, to be quite honest, is the exception, not the rule. And we look at it as being, you know, well, they're movies for kids and they're so good, but like that's separate. It's a whole studio of people who work behind these films. It takes years to make them. That's why they're as good as they are. And that's why they target every single um, age group. But even Mm. still, I think Pixar films are a little bit more adult-oriented than kid-oriented. And they're animated, too. So from the get-go, you're going to have a child's, like, uh, interaction because they're seeing something animated. Yeah. Thematically, though, I think they're adult films. Yes, yeah. I think more, like, I don't know what kid, I know we've said this before, is ever like, oh yeah, Up is my favorite movie. (laughs) Like, it's not. I know a lot of adults who say that because it's a beautiful film, but Mm -hmm. it's not a fun film for a lot of kids. 
Mm-hmm. Spy Kids and the like the family it's a part of is definitely made for kids. Like I could see my daughter watching this in a few years and enjoying it. Yeah. I could also see myself taking my daughter to see it and enjoying it. Not hating it. And not hating it. Not hating yeah. the experience, you know, finding finding charm in it because it is a kids movie that I have gone to see and I'm like, oh wow, this isn't terrible. And I think that's really why it works and that's why it was as popular because it is ultimately a, a movie meant for children that adults can tolerate and sit through and, you know, still find some, like, redeeming qualities about it. Well, there's, like, a whole adult storyline in it. Yeah, there is, yeah, exactly. Which, honestly, as a kid, I didn't care much for, like, no. I didn't understand, like, how this was also a euphemism for their marriage and yeah. how they can bring the spark back into their marriage. Exactly, yeah. I was focused on how are Carmen and Junie going to get to their mom and dad. Yeah. Like, that was major. Exactly. And that's what yeah. you're focused on. And you're focused on the gadgets and the special effects and things like that and, like, how they're going to... And the thing is, you could tell it's meant for kids because so much of it, like, the floop and the, like... The names and everything. The thumb-thumbs. The thumb-thumbs. And, like, like, it really is meant to target kids, but it is digestible to adults. When I'm sitting here to critique a movie, though, that does change it. Because a lot of the the cheesiness, a lot of the the things that aren't charming and are Mm -hmm. meant to be really for kids start to stick out then. And the lack of grace in them starts okay. to become a little bit more apparent. Give me a specific example. The set because design. I, but here's so I I think it's a very specific aesthetic in this film that you don't see in a lot of other kids films of like you're trying to create this sort of like fantasy world for children to enjoy and then still he Robert Rodriguez who wrote and wrote and directed wrote and directed. Wrote and directed. Yeah created this sort of like latin inspired set design with this whole like fantasy element that i actually think is so different from everything else that i saw as a kid Mm -hmm. like i don't remember like their house i remember thinking like i want this house with all the stonework and this jungle gym and all the cool gadgets and everything like there's something very specific about this aesthetic that i've never seen anywhere else and so like i can see where there is cheesiness, but I also think it's very inventive and creative and not like anything out there. Yeah, I guess so. But mm-hmm. I think I, I I can also recognize when I'm watching this, this isn't meant for me. Yeah. It's not meant for a 37-year-old to sit here and watch it for the first time and mm-hmm. engage with it. It is meant for a 37-year-old to take their child to the theater and by osmosis and by proxy enjoy it. Yeah. I think that's really the, the the separation here is that this is a kids movie. It is meant for children, but it's meant to also be enjoyed by the adults who bring the children the movie. Yeah. So then like because when I was looking at reviews for this, a lot of reviewers who are like uppity actually enjoyed this and mm-hmm. said like this is very good family entertainment. And I I agree with that completely. And I when I was watching it this time around, I was thinking to myself, when I was 10 years old, like I didn't know any like Latin references. I didn't know 
anything about that culture. Mm. And this kind of gave me some insight to that. Even like Carmen, when she's trying to say her whole name, yeah. like I remember trying to practice that as a kid, trying to say Carmenolita Echo Sky Cortez and yeah. like having the the flair to yeah. it. And I think I think it's very representative. Representative? What am I trying to say? Representative. Yes, representative of that culture. And I think that that's really important too, that there, I can't think of other kids movies at that time that did that. I mean, I can't, yeah. Like you can only think of like a few movies now. I mean, there was the, the off, like there was Mulan, for instance, there were, there were, there were very few and far between that, that talked about ethnicity in such a casual manner. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make you feel bad with my opinion though. You're not making me... I get it's a kid's movie. I get it. And I think the one thing I was saying, thinking the whole time, was I think I would have enjoyed... This is, this is I think, a big example of watching a movie for homework. Mm. Like, when you're sitting down to watch it, to critique it, it's hard to, I think... It really is hard to to separate the homework aspect of it. Because, let's say you have... I'm going to give you a movie today. You're going to have a week to watch it. In your head, you're thinking, what are the nights I can afford to watch this? Like, That's true. When, yeah. when can I fit it in? Okay, I can fit it on Thursday night. I can fit it in on Saturday night. Then you get to Saturday night and you're like, oh, I really just want to watch like reruns of 30 Rock, but I can't because I got to watch this movie that I've committed Leaves to. Leaves telling us what he did. On that <laughs> and I mean, that's ultimately what happens, right? Is that even, yeah. even when you want to enjoy the movie, these movies become homework. They become work to do. Yeah. And when you want to watch, that's why you watched it twice. Because you like this movie, you wanted to watch it. Oh, it's nice, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was easy for you. But, and I find both of us do this thing where when it's each, when it's like my movie or your movie, I'm a, I've always watched it like six days before you have and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like waiting for the other person to get there. And that is just inevitably what happens. And... I also think at this point, when I'm watching a movie, when I'm taking my kids to watch a movie, mm-hmm. it's different than what I want when I watch a movie. Yeah, that's, yes, that's fair. I'm not expecting you, a 37-year-old man, to think Spy Kids <laughs> is the greatest thing ever made. But I think, like, when I was watching it, I was like, I really appreciate this as, like, a family film. I think it's really hard to make something that is applicable to young children preteen children because I was like 10 and I still would have watched this at like 12 or 13 and there is a big difference there Mm -hmm. and then also applicable to like adults as well and to have something that's like actually interesting to them and I think Robert Rodriguez does a really good job of hitting all of those different demographics yeah for sure and I think again it's those things about when I'm watching when I'm watching this with my my kids for instance and I haven't watched Mm -hmm. this with my kids the, this movie employs a lot of the cliche cheese about being a spy, let's say. Yeah. And for a kid, it's cool and it's fun and it's, you know, all of that. And I would be enamored by, I'm less enamored by the movie and more enamored by my kid's reaction to the movie. And that okay, makes me, yeah. that gives me a good feeling about the movie. When I'm watching it now, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm more focused on like, wow, this is just, we just watched a movie, Razzie where they deconstructed those things yeah. and now here it is in full force and in it's full ex- like full on <laughs> cheese and yeah. it's hard to remove yourself from that. 
It, it can be, I guess. I didn't have a hard time because I also. <laughs> but I, I think you have a really you have a, you your emotional response to this is much deeper than mine is. Yeah, because there's the nostalgia factor, and I think if you ask anybody like my age, I'm thirty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyone my age or who was like a kid at this time who saw Spy Kids, like I at work, I like wrote in our Slack channel. Oh, like I'm watching Spy Kids this weekend. Like I'm really excited. Everybody was pumped. <laughs> Everybody I was like, we love Spy Kids. Because it's just, there is that nostalgia factor of like seeing a movie and also feeling like an adult. It's like, yes. as a kid, it felt yeah. like it was an adult movie. Absolutely, yeah. It didn't feel dumb. It didn't feel like a cartoon. It didn't feel like I'm watching a kid movie at all. Like this felt like, oh, this is what like, I remember like admiring Carmen as a 10 year old mm-hmm. and she was 12 and I thought she was the shit. And like <laughs> there's the one scene where she's wearing, like they they change outfits and she's wearing yeah. like a pink top and a long black like vest coat yeah. over it. I remember thinking like that is the best outfit I've ever seen and like wanting to be her and thinking like I could be 12 years old. I'm mature enough to be 12 year old. I could be a spy if I wanted to. And there is that sense of just like blossoming into preteenness that like kind of just comes alive when I watch it. And I think it does carry over. It's 2022. Yeah. This movie still works. Totally. I was thinking the one thing I will say is I will show this to my kids in the future. Right. Because I can see them enjoying (laughs) this. And I think one thing you really hit on that's really appropriate is that the movie doesn't, it really respects its audience. Mm -hmm. It really respects the kids. It's not dubbing down to them. The way something like Heavyweights does, it kind of panders. This doesn't. This is aware of the intelligence level of its audience and like what they will and won't understand and what they can and can't tolerate and plays exactly to that yeah it's not trying to and if anything it's trying to maybe slightly elevate it you know for them and i think that's admirable yes i will say there is one part of this movie that i liked as a kid but now as an adult i was like did we necessarily need this Mm. terry hatcher yeah, in general, yeah. She's got two scenes. As a scenes. kid, I really enjoyed... One, I... As a kid, I was a fan of Lois and Clark. Like, I actually... Fair enough, yeah. I remember watching it and, like, being really into Dean Kane. Yeah. And and so when you saw... When I saw her on screen, I, I remember being, like, excited. Like, oh, it's Lois. What's Lois doing? Because mm-hmm. I also, as a kid, couldn't separate the people from TV and, like, who they are. Yeah. Did you ever do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. When I was really young and you didn't realize that they were separate. Exactly. And so I thought, oh, Lois is in this movie. And Lois's hair catches on fire. And I remember thinking that was hilarious. And like showing her bald gap with like pieces of hair still sticking. Why didn't you just shave off your whole head is what I thought this time around. Um, But I didn't know if that that character was really like necessary. And I think that obviously was put in for child entertainment. But I do think things like that is what kind of dumbs it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think there are so much, so many more things about this movie that are actually redeeming. And I also, I actually really enjoyed the message of this because they talk about in this movie that these kids wanted separate lives from their parents. Like they were lying all the time. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, pretending to have friends that they didn't. Carmen was like skipping school. And for somebody who like grew up having to lie, 
to like actually be able to do anything. That felt very comforting being like oh i'm not the only kid that does mm-hmm. this like these kids carmen lied and went to belize with her friends and like you know yeah <laughs> and and the message of like you shouldn't do that and that you should be honest with your parents and that to you work better as a family unit when you're honest with one another you can actually save the world <laughs> if you're honest with yeah. your parents i actually think that's a really cute message to send to kids yeah, and that family can be cool. Yes. Yes, family can be cool. And that's nice. And your dad could be smoking hot like Antonio Banderas. <laughs> yes, your dad can be Antonio Banderas. He looks so good in this movie. He is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, cla- it's very classic 90s Antonio Banderas kind of. It's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I want to know is uh-huh. you mentioned that this way this had a bigger impact on you than uh, heavyweights. Mm-hmm. Speak to that. I remember watching this and actually thinking, like, this is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what movies are. How do I watch more movies? Oh. Because, like, at the time, I think the thing I was probably watching the most was Spice World. Sure. And, <laughs> yep. and in 2001, I think I was also watching a lot of Austin Powers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which I, I didn't understand yeah. whatsoever, but I, I think it was like on it all the time. But I remember thinking like this is like an action movie that I could get behind. And then I do remember like slowly after watching Bond movies with my dad and like getting into yeah. the spy genre. But it it felt like to me like something that I could be a part like it was a whole new world, something. And I understood that this mm-hmm. was not real life. I knew that they like weren't actually going on an adventure together unlike when i saw titanic when i was younger i thought titanic was like i thought what happened in the movie titanic was real oh right like you were watching a documentary yeah yeah and no you know what i'll save it for for that i'll save my Titanic. what for 2024 (laughs) when we watch titanic i think i've said it before but i'll say it again now i legitimately thought that the old woman at the end of Titanic, or the old woman in Titanic, I thought that that was Kate Winslet years later. Like, I oh, thought they okay. waited yeah, yeah, yeah. the, like, 90 cool. years yeah, later yeah, or whatever. And that was her. I think her name is Gloria Swanson, yeah. who played her. Yeah. And it wasn't until, like, watching that Oscars and they did the side-by-side of them oh, that okay. I realized as a kid. And I must have been, like, six at the time. Six or seven. Uh, Titanic's 97. So I was six. <laughs> what were you doing watching Titanic in the first we place? We watched Titanic during the ice storm. Oh, yeah. We were in the movie theater during the ice storm. Yeah. And I do remember my dad covering my eyes at the, the car scene. Yeah. And the, <laughs> yeah. N- not the painting scene? Probably that, too. Yeah. I just remember my eyes being covered. I didn't see anything. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we watched it during the ice storm because there was, like, nothing else to do. <laughs> In the theater at the Canada Town Center. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I remember watching the Oscars that year. And this is like my first Oscar memory. Okay. But I remember watching it and seeing the two of them side by side and then realizing, oh, it's separate people. But Spy Kids, I knew it was a movie. I knew like this, these were actors. And this also sparked my interest of like wanting to be a child actor. I had a really strong passion oh, as yeah. a kid okay. that I, I wanted to be a child actor. I never told anybody. I told everybody I wanted to be a doctor because I thought that's what yeah, you're supposed to absolutely. say. 
Yeah. Thanks, um, brown but people. But I, I really wanted to be famous. Okay. Like, I wanted to be Carmen. I thought Alexa Vega was, like, the coolest thing. And now, as an adult, I don't think she's very cool. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I do think if I had seen the... Like, if this had been around when I was that age, I think I would have loved this. Right? Because I already... What, what yeah. movie did you love? Like, because I, I picture you at 10 years old thinking, like, oh, Rosemary's Baby is the greatest <laughs> film. Like, I don't... What did you like at 10 years old in 1995? What did you like? I did like it was Disney Rosemary's movie. Baby, it was Rosemary's wasn't it? Baby. I was in yeah. love with Rosemary. Yeah. <laughs> I was always obsessed with being older. That was a big thing for me. Yes. And so, not that I, but I did love Disney movies. I really looked forward to seeing them. I've said this before that Beauty and the Beast was my like first yeah. real experience at the theater, and it kind of changed my my perspective of what movies should be. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing things like Home Alone, Kindergarten Cop, Casper. Like just, I I, oh, I, I remember, I think at 10, I wanted to see older stuff. Yeah. I think that was probably something going on. But I think yeah. if I had been like six to eight and seen Spy Kids, I would have loved it. Dad, has your brother ever seen it? Yeah, he has. Because he, okay. yeah, he has. Because he was, a bit, like I was 10, so he must have been like four when this came out, yeah. right? So he might, yeah. I think he might have seen it like a few years later. Okay. But, like, but I, I will say, I've never seen any of the sequels. Yeah, which I find like interesting. Like, any of them. I don't... I think they'll ruin it for me. Maybe. That's very yeah. fair. I don't... And I don't want to taint this, because I love this passionately. Like, this sparked... <laughs> as for kids. For kids. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an adult, and I know what a good movie is, okay? But I... For children, and, like, to have that nostalgia, this is... It's something else. It's not like other kids' movies. No? No. Name something that's like Spy Kids. I think there are movies that have the same essence as Spy Kids. Name a live action movie. I would say something like The Witches. I've never seen The Witches. <gasps> really? The one with Angelica Houston? Nope. I think you'd really enjoy that. Maybe. We're not watching it as a bonus episode. I'm just saying maybe oh. when you get a chance, <laughs> go and watch it because I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, maybe. I think I think Spy Kids, that's interesting because I don't think, I think there, I think it's, I'm going to stop saying I think. I think. <laughs> I think uh-huh. there aren't movies about spies necessarily, but I think there are movies that capture the essence of what Spy Kids kind of does, that, that intangible feeling. And I think movies like E.T. and yeah. Witches, do you know what yeah. I mean? They they give you that feeling. So, like, I, I watched E.T., though, for the first time once I was a teenager. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't born when E.T. Yeah. came out. So I don't have that... Same nostalgia that you or like someone like my sister does where they were like the same age as Drew Barrymore. So yeah. it was really like finding an alien. So I think like this could be for ch- children my age, kids born in 1991. Mm-hmm. Like this could be their E.T. essentially. This could be their E.T. Yeah. Because there is there is some movie magic to it as well. And I will say a lot of the action sequences in this I thought like might come off a little dated. They don't. They still like look. So, not all of them, but like some of them. <laughs> some, but I also can accept that it came out in 2001. And so I understand what the limitations were at that time. But I didn't think of it when I was watching it of like, this is really bad. I thought some of it was pretty dated. I, but like you're saying, in 2001, I wonder if in 2001 you would have had that perspective. 
I don't think I would no. as a, like yeah, a critic. Exactly. And I think that's why it was actually like recognized as a good movie because yeah, the special effects and everything work. I think when you watch it now and you're used to seeing like Avatar and like the Marvel, Marvel exactly, and everything yeah. is so seamless and so easy almost. You almost, yeah. I think, you don't appreciate it because mm-hmm. it seems so obvious. And it seems like yes, you should be able to have intergalactic fights and like people flying and you know whatever Doctor Strange does, like yeah. You sh- we should be able to accomplish that. I just had a memory pop into my mind. Okay. I remember seeing Spy Kids in 2001. And then I remember, I remember being in a theater watching Ocean's Eleven. Oh, yeah. In 2001. And I want to see when did they come out? Because I'm trying to figure out, did I like George Clooney before <laughs> Ocean's Eleven? Like in Spy Kids and his one little cameo? Because I definitely knew who George Clooney was. Did you? Okay. At yes. 10? I At 10, I knew who George Clooney was. I was like an advanced 10-year-old. <laughs> when did this come out? Where is the date on IMDb? 2001. But like what day? Oh, God. Because I remember seeing... So it came out March 30th, 2001. Okay. And Ocean's 11. December 7th. Yeah, so I must have saw this, and then I do remember seeing Ocean's Eleven with my sister in 2001, and she must have said, like, the guy from Spy Kids is in it. Yeah, and you must have been like, let's go. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. By the way, George Clooney is in Spy Kids, and I I always joke when people, like, if people, if anyone ever asks me what what my favorite George Clooney role is, I always say it's Spy Kids. You have sequel people ideas. I well, I know there are sequels yes. to this movie, and I don't want to watch them because I I like this for what it is. Yeah. I don't want any more to the story. I think it's perfect uh, for kids entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to know a little bit more about the uh, espionage trips that the parents had when they were like dating. I think that that would be a cute story to show to children. Yeah. Show and to I, children. I think Robert Rodriguez could do it. I think he could find a way to like make it still entertaining for kids, yeah. but have it be an adult love story because I think he does this so well. Um, I know that they've done this. I've never seen any of them, but there are movies that follow the Machete character. Yeah, right? by Robert Rodriguez. Like I think exactly. Um, Death Proof and like they're all. He's all. He's part of that universe. Yeah, like I think Robert yeah. Rodriguez sticks to the same world. Yes. I think even Sin City has uh, some connection. Yeah, like Danny Trejo has created a whole career from just the Spy Kids movie, which I think is pretty. Yeah. Although I'm wondering, is he? No, there's nothing about him in From Dust Till Dawn. Maybe not. I haven't seen Dust Maybe Till not. Dawn. I don't remember it. Have I seen it? Who knows? But I think he has created a whole universe based off of that. But there's also a lot of cool cameos in this, which we didn't talk about. But there's George Clooney. There's George. Richard Linklater is in this. Is he? He's a spy. Okay. Donegan, like the spy that like turns into one of the Floop characters, yeah. is Mike Judge. Mike Judge is the creator of King of the Hill. Okay. <laughs> like I just, there's so many, like Cheech Martin is in this too. He plays Uncle Felix. Yes. I, I don't, there's just like so much... <laughs> Fun stuff that if you're a parent in 2001 watching it, you're going to be like, Cheech is in this, yes, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very true. 
Right. And I also want to give it up to Alan Cumming because floop, I, when I was starting this today or yesterday or the day before yesterday, whenever I watched this, um, I remember thinking like, oh, floop, it's going to be super cheesy. But I actually think Alan Cumming does a pretty decent job He balances job with it, it well, yeah. He balances it really well. Yeah. yeah. And there's very and few I, people who can do that. Yeah. And he's successful at it. And it's really fun to see because you don't watch The Good Wife. I don't. But if if you have ever watched it, he plays an iconic character of Eli Gold, mm-hmm. who is like possibly the opposite of Floop, but like still has some Floop in him. Yeah. It's like, it's really interesting. But like to see him do something like this and then also do that is is remarkable. Yeah. And to do Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. So like. <laughs> he's got a lot of range. Yeah. Coming, he can interpretive sure. dance like no one else. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I want to see the parents' love story. That was my sequel prequel idea. Do you have any sequel prequel ideas? No. I never ask. No, sometimes you do. Well, today I am, and, and you said you don't. So there you go. I'm very curious to see what your rating is. <laughs> I So for my rating, I'm going to be a proper adult. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to put... Ten, okay, I'll tell you what 10-year-old Mita would do. Yes. How about that? 10-year-old Mita. Five out of five. Yeah. Spy Kids has everything. It has kids. It has cool clothes and gadgets. Kids save the world. There's a guy named Antonio Banderas, and he looks really cute. <laughs> Five-year, ten-year-old Mita was like all over Spy Kids and possibly believed she could be a spy yeah. if put to the test. I feel like thirty-year-old Mita also thinks she could be a spy. Thirty-year-old me, I actually do think I would be a very good CIA <laughs> analyst. I think I could look through documents quite well yeah. and find what I need to, because I have done that in my real life job before, and I find a lot of interesting stuff. But <laughs> um, I do still believe I could be a spy. I don't know if I want to be a spy kid, yep. <laughs> but I do think I could be a spy. I, when watching this, I wanted to be critical. I wanted to like be like, okay, let's put my critic hat on and like take a look at this. I couldn't help but get swept away with the family fun and the nostalgia that I have from the early 2000s. And I think that says a lot about a movie. If it is able to have that sort of lasting impression on you. Because I think I am fairly good at removing myself from these kinds of situations. (laughs) But this one, the the moment I saw it, I was just like, oh, it's about to go down. It's like (laughs) so exciting. And it's so not like aesthetically it's not like any other kids movie I ever watch and I actually really appreciate that about this and I think that Robert Rodriguez does something really magical that I have not seen before or since Spy Kids Mm. and I immediately was swept away with just the fun of this movie like it has such a fun tone to it there are plot holes of course there are Um, you know, it doesn't make sense that they're supposed to be opposite spies, but they work for the same organization. I'm not too sure what happened there. <laughs> I'd like some, some more intel, yep. you know, um, but maybe they started to work like as I was watching, I was like, maybe they like they got up together after they got married. I don't know. <laughs> but there's definitely, you know, issues with this. But I also think it's meant to be a fun family film for kids of age i think a kid of who's seven years old could watch this a kid who's 13 years old could watch this and i think a parent who's in their 30s could watch this as well Mm -hmm. and like still actually have a good time and enjoy it and i think what you're saying about 
being able to see the reactions of your children probably make it a little bit more palpable for the adults. Mm -hmm. But I also think that that's a really special thing to be able to create in a live action way. Because so often the movies that we talk about that have these these nostalgic feelings and that have that spark and that magic are all animated. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really easy to do that with animation. Doing it in a live action way and to still hit all of those bases is pretty remarkable. And I commend Spy Kids for being able to do that. I am going to give it three and a half. Okay. I think that the affair rating for this movie i think 10 year old mita would give it a five but 30 year old mita is giving it three and a half because it did it hit all the right spots for me it also just like opened me up a lot too that i felt like i can let in other emotions now because this was such a relief like i didn't have to think too much when i watched this i just had to sit there and watch it it's ridiculous it's silly it's fun and like that is so nice to experience. So I'm giving it three and a half. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know that you have mm-hmm. released some happiness and that you've made space for other feelings. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Phoenix Rising after this. I was like, I could do something dark. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to kill me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Gangs of Wasipur has a part three and four? No, that's not what we're watching. <laughs> and it doesn't exist. There you go. But before we get to that. Yes. I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think this is, like I said, I think I think kids' movies, especially when they're made, are meant to defy the rules of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. You're not looking for, it's. you're not about screenplay. You're not about acting. You're not about believability and theme. It's literally, how entertaining can we make this? That is the only rule. And if you can fit in a plot and make it interesting, kudos to you. And that's yeah. essentially what happens here. Robert Rodriguez manages to create an interesting story and still have it be fun and still have it be relatable to its audience and still have it be engaging to its audience. And a family film, family films are hard. Another family film I think of like is Jumanji, for instance. <gasps> I love Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> or... um like Mrs. Doubtfire as well as another like kind yeah. of family example of movies that you literally, can you sit down with a family of under 10 or like under 12ers, mom, mm-hmm. dad, and kids and watch it together? And how would it feel like? I think if I were, to, again, like I said, if I were to take my kids to see this, I'd be like, oh, that was cute. I think I would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think this is the type of movie that if my kids brought home and they're like, I want to watch Spy Kids, I want to watch Spy Kids, I'd be like, all right, I think we're done here with Spy Kids. I think it's time for you to pick something new. Be- Not if I'm your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I, because I, I think I would grow a little tired of it. I would rather them watch this than something like even Heavyweights, if I'm being honest. Be- That's fair. Because I do think this is a little bit more sophisticated but that's not the word i'm going for because it's not but yes it's more sophisticated than heavyweights yeah and yes, i think that's beca- that's largely because there is a, there is a plot there's a yeah. plot that's more than just like it's not and kids this, at pack camp what i wouldn't describe this as and i mean this as the utmost compliment is it's not goofy mm, yes it's fun and it's well crafted fun but it's not goofy mm. it's not silly some parts are the floops and the floops faces and like all of those things are kind of like, but 
generally speaking, the film itself is not, it, it, it isn't those things. So when I try to balance my film critic opinion with my opinion of it as a parent, because I think that is actually how you have to balance it. As a film, this isn't successful. But as a family film, which is, it, that's it, what it's meant to be, it's actually quite successful. So I think you have to, you have to take that into consideration when you provide your rating. And for those things, I'm going to give it three stars. Okay. I'm happy with three. What if I, I had been I'm like happy. four stars, Mita? I would have been ecstatic. I would have. <laughs> because the other thing that was like, think about Robert Rodriguez and the other films that he's written and directed. There's so such Sin versatility. Yeah. There is. Right? Such versatility. Seriously. Such versatility. Such versatility. <laughs> yeah. You, and like. Really kudos to that. It's it's successful. It's a successful family film from someone who made Sin City. Sin City, which I love. Yeah. I quite like. I haven't City. watched it in a long. Like I watched it when it came out, and I don't think I was like the right age to appreciate it. Probably not. Yeah, I watched it. What was that? Two thousand five. Something like that. I haven't seen it in years, but yeah. I saw it in quick succession a few times when it first came out, and then didn't know. Didn't know. But Mita, enough about Robert and his sins. Because it's time to play Different Characters Same, same World Okay. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. You're not gonna get this. Okay. So hmm. do you want to try with names or do you just want to play the game for some random movie? Let's play the game for a random movie. Okay. Why not? So this is not the movie we're watching. No, this is literally just a movie. Like Okay. A movie to see a if movie I can do to it. To see if you can do it. Yeah. Okay. I'm probably going to fail. <laughs> no, you'll probably figure it out. You're pretty okay. good at this stuff. Uh, we'll see. But I'm going to make it hard. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Okay. Carl Jenkins. Okay. Doug McRae. Doug McRae. McRae. McCray. And Helen. Okay. And your timer starts now. Is Carl Jenkins... No, that's not his name in Die Hard. Um... <laughs> Carl Jenkins. I don't know if I'm going to get this. What was... Helen? Helen. And what was the other one? Doug McCray. Doug McCray. Doug... Is Carl with a C or a K? Carl is with a C. Okay. Huh. Does that make a difference? No, I don't know. <laughs> is this is this definitely a movie I've seen? Very much so. Oh. I'm going to give you you've got like 15 seconds. I'll give you easier ones in 10 in 15 seconds. Okay. Is Doug McCrae from ta- the town? Yes. Okay, but who is he in the town? Is it Is it John Hamm? No, that's a minute. No. Is it Ben Affleck? It is. Okay. It's Gone Girl? It's Gone Girl, Mitha. <laughs> so job. wait, then Helen, who's Roseman Pike playing Helen? Uh, in Jack Reacher. Okay, I've never seen that. And then Neil Patrick Harris is Carl Jenkins in Starship Troopers. I've never seen Starship Troopers. You, oh, I specifically went for the harder ones because I was like, I could do Jane do Bennett. Stinson. Yeah, exactly. Oh. There was a lot of easy ones that you would have like gotten it right away. But I needed to make you work for it. 
That's but right. no, we are not watching the amazing Gone Girl next week. <laughs> what we are watching is a foreign film oh. from the country of South Korea. Wow. And it is called, it is directed mm-hmm. by Park Chan Wook. Okay. And it is called The Handmaiden. You have talked so much <laughs> about The Handmaiden. I have. Like my whole life, I feel like you've talked about The Handmaiden. Still, you haven't seen it. <laughs> so, and it's, yeah. So, okay. The Handmaiden this is, is two and a half hours. Oh. Do not watch this in front of your father. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the heads up. Do not do that. It's erotic, isn't it? It's soups erotic. <laughs> On IMDb, the parental guidelines have severe besides sex and nudity. Park Chan Wook is super sexual, so don't watch it in front of your dad at all. Don't do okay. that. But yeah, we'll be watching The Handmaiden, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I'm worried. Why? I don't know. I just am. I feel I feel ang- a little anxious about this one. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Something's just overcome me. And I'm like, hmm. Don't. Is this going to be the end of our friendship? No, don't. <laughs> okay. I want to say something, but I'm not going to. I'll, re- I'll retain thoughts until next week. Okay. But yes. And I shouldn't look up anything? No, just go in blind. It's much more fun. You can actually watch the trailer because it's spectacular and it doesn't give much away. But aside from that, don't. Is this the one that's like uh, Dangerous Liaison? No, I think that one's called Dangerous Liaison. No, no, no. You said that at one point you said that there was, oh, maybe it wasn't Korean. You had said that that. Uh, oh, Lust Caution. An Asian country. There you go. Lust yeah. Caution is Chinese. It's Bang Lee. Okay. Uh, but it's not. This is different. Okay. I just don't know how else to describe it, but. It's just different. Watch it. We'll talk about it. Okay. Until then, Mita, do you have uh, parting words? I do. Well, I have so many parting so, words. Mita has never had a list this big, by the way, of quotes. Um, I think The Room had <laughs> quite a few. You actually had a fair few for Gangs of Wasipur as well, but not this long. Not this long. This this movie is filled with fun quotes from my childhood. Um, honorable mention to shiitake mushrooms, because <laughs> I've been saying that since 2001, anytime I needed to say shit. So (laughs) thank you, Carmen, for that one. But our quote for this evening. (laughs) Yep. Never send an adult to do a kid's job. There you go. There you go. Thanks so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for The Handmaiden and a lot of sex. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>